This issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by Beppo the Super Monkey. Thanks for your donation, and stop flinging poo. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans just like you. In this issue, got to get tough, yo Joe. Plus, Michael Keaton and Ron Ely together again for the very first time. Screws fall out all the time. The world's an imperfect place. Plus, Punisher, I hardly know her. Guys in funny hats, what punches people a lot. Steven has a mighty A. And we discuss whether Ace the Bad Hound is actually in continuity and whether Crypto is just a super douche. Stick around for Blues Improvisation from Blind Melon Schleicher, backed by Mud Funnybone Lopez and the King Cobra. And as always, I like pie. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air! Hey everybody, welcome to another issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Yay! In case you're wondering about our famous jazz skills, I... I am sporting a big old pair of dork shades tonight. <laughs> These are like old people shades. No, no, they, no. They, they literally are. They look like the kind of glasses you wear over other glasses. <laughs> you, and I literally am. You because look. Because I can't see. Like a young, white Ray bald, Charles. Bald Ray Charles. Bald Ray let Charles. Me, let me put this in perspective for the comic <laughs> fans in the audience. Imagine if Cyclops and the Kingpin <laughs> had an illegitimate son. Wearing a bowling shirt, and you've pretty much got a. It, it may not look exactly like Stephen, but everyone who can see Stephen right now will find that eerily familiar. That That's is, all. That it's, is. it's pretty much true. When I, I when I walked in today, and I saw Stephen, and he was kind of having this this slight argument with his wife, and he was like, "Oh, woman, oh, woman, don't you treat me this way." <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm having a bad reaction to some contacts, which makes me highly sensitive to light. You have to be careful with your contacts. When you set up the email, you want to make sure the virus scan is in place. Uh, yes. Or else, yeah. So I that must right, have, I must have not done joke, that. ladies and gentlemen. I must not have done that correctly, because Matthew's emails still keep getting through. <laughs> Maybe it's me, but that's even nerdier than our usual humor. Hey, mm. why don't we get to some uh, comic book news? We're going to hey, be talking about we? comics and pop culture. Uh, anyone see G.I. Joe? Rodrigo, did you see G.I. Joe? You know, I didn't get a chance. I wanted to. Now, did you really want to, or did you just, like... I I wanted to feel compelled. I, I wanted to in a Plan Nine from Outer Space and the I power of Joe it. compels yes. you. I, I wanted to I see am. it to make fun of it. That's, really? That's okay. what I wanted. Yeah. I I I also wanted to see it, but I also wanted to see Harry Potter and didn't get to see that mm-hmm. as well. And my guess, Matthew, is you did not get to see the Yo Joe. See, I only wanted to see G.I. Joe in the train wreck sense because mm-hmm. they made to me they made a fundamental error. That I don't want to see this movie. And, I, you know, it's all about me. And I like bacon. I'm the guy who sits there and goes, that that obviously contradicts what happens in Adventure Comics number 293. But <laughs> that, that's what I do. And to me, taking the G.I. Joe, the, the basic, the super couple, taking Scarlet and Snake Eyes and making them not be a couple and giving Scarlet a romance with another character... I mean, that's the equivalent of doing a Superman comic, only he's actually from, you know, he's not from Krypton. He's from the Dunkin' Donuts in Akron, Ohio. You know, to me, you've taken one of the central conceits of the series. And one of the fun things about Larry Hama's comic book stories, you've jettisoned it 
So, you know, there's no amount of funny super suits or Marlon Wayans that's going to save it for me. Did, did you like the, the cartoon series, though, from the 80s? Uh, up to a point. What I really liked about it was when they would name check Joes that weren't interesting. There was one episode where Clutch, Steeler, and Rock and Roll, I think it was, or maybe it was Clutch, Steeler, and Zap. I don't know. Guys you never saw on the cartoon went to an alternate universe and died horribly. Wow. That no, was an that interesting didn't happen episode in no cartoon. to me. That was no it cartoon. did. There were corpses on panel. There were skeletal G.I. Joes in recognizable uniforms on panel. Awesome. On screen? On screen. Now, well, I, because the G.I. Joe I remember, and I watched about three episodes of it and said, screw this is the planes are blowing up and then five seconds later parachutes open. Parachutes. Well, yeah, that was, you know, that was network censorship. I, that's, a syndicated censorship. I, I wanted to see G.I. Joe just because I wanted to see, you know, did they do a good action movie? Because, mm -hmm. you know, the trailers, I don't, there's a ch certain cheesiness level to a portion of the trailers generally involving one of the Wayans brothers. But, you know, you see the Eiffel Tower starting to melt and mm -hmm. fall over and crash and you see a white ninja running around and watch some, ninja. Some chick with sunglasses, you know, changing that would costume be the costume in an elevator. Well, you know, I, I know that old stuff, but you see that and you're like, wow, maybe that might be a good movie. So I, I heard, and, and this might be a rumor, but didn't they bring, like, didn't they, like, have test audiences and then bring in, like, a uh, an emergency editor oh, maybe. To, to change it up I afterwards? Heard that. Well, again, on, on my level of, of so a okay comic now. book guy... There's another problem that I have with this film, and I can explain it to you very quickly so we can get on to the other quick thoughts in the yes, news. Yes, because it's a, it's a, we're talking about a movie none of us have seen. Slow Correct, fall. and we're talking about it from the perspective of Why worst we didn't episode see it? ever. Okay, go well, ahead. No, I'll see it eventually. Go ahead. G.I. Joe has several iconic character images. Flint mm -hmm. in his beret. Mm -hmm. um, rock and roll with his big blonde beard. Snake eyes in black leather. And the Baroness, likewise, in black leather. So you have two characters, one on the good side, one on the evil, whose iconic likeness is based on they're the one in tight black leather. So what do you do? You put everybody in the friggin' movie in tight black leather. I think, that though, if you run, you run the risk if you did it like in the comic books or in the, um, in the cartoon series. To have them look like the village people? That's exactly what I was going to say. They look too or much like the video. Or having quasi-military at a time when we are actually involved in military action and, right. you know, maybe being a little offensive. I can see that. We, we want uh, to know what you guys thought of the G.I. Joe movie. All you have to do is give us a call at our hotline number, 785-727-1939. The Major Spoilers Hotline. Steven's trying to step on my Walter Cronkite impersonation. Uh, somebody who's also <laughs> dead. Uh, speaking of dead. Hey! I'm sad John Hughes died. You are mm. terrible at these. Oh, my God. <laughs> Your segues this week are just, oh, They're awesome. man. I'm... You did an impersonation of a speaking dead guy. Of dead. I'm talking about a dead guy. John Hughes is dead. You know, we were, oh, this is going to tie into something we're going to mention here in a moment, but uh, we were doing something on Thursday mm -hmm. when this happened. We were. And I was very disappointed. You know, had a great day. We were all doing some great major spoiler stuff. And then at the end of the day, I sit down to, to update the site and son of a bitch, John Hughes dies. Did you have a favorite John Hughes movie? Anybody? Matthew, did you have a favorite John Hughes flick? Absolutely. Which is? It's the Breakfast Club for me. I, I want a little WWJD, what would John Bender do bracelet. <laughs> because I I just love the whole the whole over that he did, really. But to me, the Breakfast Club really captures it all with a couple of, of phrases. Mm -hmm. Does Barry Manilow know you raided his wardrobe? Right. Uh, screws fall out all the time. It's an imperfect world. Yep. 
I could be just like you. All I need is a lobotomy and some tights. Yep. Those are some good ones. Mm -hmm. That's not a line from the movie. That's me making fun of you, Steve. Uh, what about eh. you, uh, Rodrigo? I like Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller? Good times. Usually Ferris Bueller ranks up pretty high with me, you know. Um, but my favorite John Hughes film is uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Mm. Because here's this, it's just this wacky, crazy, cross-country adventure to get home for Thanksgiving. And the entire time, Steve Martin is being pestered by this guy who's just a complete a jerk, I guess, yeah. you know? And it's not until the end of the movie when Steve Martin's finally on his way home that he goes, starts thinking about, about their adventures and is going, wait a minute. This guy's lost his wife and he's all alone on the holiday and I just left him there. And he suddenly realizes who the whole jerk has been mm -hmm. the entire time and he realizes it's him. And, well, kind of ironic because yeah, he used to be Martin's, the jerk. Yeah. jerk yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's just one of my – it's one of those movies that makes me laugh hysterically and also makes me cry at the same time because oh. it's, such a, it's, such a good, mm -hmm. it's such a good movie. One, one thing I noticed, though, about John Hughes' early films, uh, especially, you know, The Sixteen Candles, The Weird Science, The mm -hmm. Ferris Bueller, mm -hmm. his films are like total anti-establishment. Yeah. You know, let's stick it to the man. Let's stick it to authority. And then at the same time, it's also pulling on those heartstrings to make you go, huh? Yeah. You know? So, but then, of course, he did uh, later in, in years writing films such as the Beethoven series, mm -hmm. writing uh, films like uh, the Home Alone series. Right. So, you know, he kind of, I don't know, started out really strong. And in later years, I guess some people might say not so, not so good films. Uh, I'm, here's the thing, though. It's the, that, that poster of The Breakfast Club. Right. Very iconic, right? Right, right. That, um, the, uh, wait, did he do say anything or is that somebody else? I might be attributing that to him. Anyway, um, a lot of his movies, very iconic, you oh, know, yeah. 16 Candles, 16 Candles, all that stuff. Home Alone, incredibly iconic. Right. I mean, whether you like it or not, it's something that got seared into, oh, you know, America's, uh, consciousness you know ah, right with the with the hands on the right. cheeks and the flavin <laughs> and forever and, immortalize macaulay culkin as an eight-year-old exactly well and don't forget baby's day out and then fetus goes for a walk and whatever <laughs> came after that <laughs> zygote adventure <laughs> uh so john hughes he will be missed uh especially i think for maybe matthew and my generation i don't know we're right at that age, Matthew, where this his films, especially the early films, uh, the Chicago films, where everything takes place in Chicago, struck right. a chord with us. I don't know if that's true with, with you, Rodrigo. I mean, it, It's not. The reason really why uh, Ferris Bueller is um, my favorite John Hughes movie is because more so than the other ones, I feel that it has that kind of timelessness to mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. I think the other ones, they have it. I mean, who hasn't felt angsty while he's in detention? <laughs> But they're also very 80s. Right. Um, Ferris Bueller is crazy enough. It's not totally wacky, but it's crazy enough that you're like, okay, well, this could happen at another time. That's I'm, me anyway. I'm still waiting for the day when I can jump out in the middle of a parade and start singing Beatles songs and, and everyone goes around with yes. me. I'm just waiting for the day that you can jump and or sing. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Speaking of hello. jumping, here's a transition. Hello, Speaking woman, of jumping, oh, some, people of may God, have seen, some people may have seen the image up on the MajorSpoilers.com uh, website with uh, Doc Savage and Batman jumping off the top of the Empire State Building together. Whoa. Uh, there is a new Doc Savage Batman one-shot coming in November. 
And this is, we've talked about it before or hinted at it before that Doc Savage was returning to DC. This will be the first kickoff of Doc Savage. Now, some things that we learned from this past weekend at Wizard World Chicago is that there is no definite time period for the Doc Savage tales. Apparently, there's also going to be either a six or ten issue miniseries that comes after this Batman one shot. Mm-hmm. This takes place in well, who is doing this? Brian Azzarello. I forget who's doing the who's doing the series. Um, but it takes place in what he calls Earth fifty three. It takes place in a world that has no superheroes. Mm-hmm. So while Batman exists and this Batman Doc Savage team up takes place during like the first couple of months of Batman's existence, mm-hmm. while there is a Batman, there is no Superman in this world. So it's all going to be the pulpy heroes from the 1930s. We're going to see uh, the shadow show up. The the spirit will show up. Blackhawks will be in there. Uh, what's her name? Uh, the Jungle Girl. I forget what her name is going to be. In there uh, well. Rima the Jungle Rima Girl. Rima the Jungle Girl. Those are all going to appear. And so it's... Uh, it's going to be an interesting an interesting thing to usher in Doc Savage back to the uh, DC universe. My biggest fear when I heard this was that they were somehow going to try to modernize it, uh, take make it take place in, in current continuity. So it's mm-hmm. not going to be part of continuity. But you will see uh, dirigibles and cell phones and gyroscopes or uh, what are the old helicopters – Ornithopters. Well, we we'll use that. We'll see that and computers all side by side with one another in this series. So hmm. I think that's pretty interesting. What Rodrigo? What do you think? That was that was my my issue with it when I heard you know Doc Savage and Batman. I was like, Doc Savage is great, but he was great. He, he's so great in his time period, right? Um, if you modernize, if you put Doc Savage in the in the modern universe, then he's a Reed Richards who doesn't stretch. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping that they keep some of uh, Doc Savage's uh, lesser his uh, sidekicks. No, politically Second correct. Oh. No, I was going to say some of his political correctness. I hope they keep it firmly in the in the time period because mm-hmm. he's a big believer in the lobotomy. Nice. Yep. So I'm hoping that they keep that in the story, at least in some part. Matthew, what do you think of the whole Doc Savage coming back to DC Comics thing? I think uh, it, it, it's kind of similar to remarks we made about the return of the MLJ version of the Hangman recently. Oh yeah, I there's there's a double edged sword here in that if you do it right, I mean, well, what I would consider right, if you do it absolutely the way Doc Savage has been done before, there's a question of how accessible it is to new people. Whereas if you don't do it exactly the way Doc Savage has done before then you're going to alienate that core fan base, however those people are. So yeah. I think that by setting it in that weird you know, alternate universe, well, let's put it this way. The spirit has been done for what? Almost two or three years now in yeah. sort of that. Yeah, in that, that same kind of general time frame. The only moment I had in the spirit where I ever questioned it and the story just kind of went past it, there was one issue where a cell phone was part of the plot. Yeah. That's the only thing that made me think that this wasn't taking place in 1945. Right. So I think if they do it well enough and if they don't focus it on, you know, well, this certainly doesn't take place in 1937. Mm-hmm. You know, if you make that meaningless as far as the story goes and do it well, heck, I'd be on board for a Doc Savage issue. I don't know if I'll read a Batman crossover, but. It'll be interesting because, it, like I said, it'll be like a, a brand new Batman. It'll be Bruce Wayne Batman. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of I'd be more cool. interested in Black Hawk. Well, then he will make an, the Blackhawks will make an appearance in there, so that'll be good. Uh, in this interview or in this uh, comments that were made at Wizard World Chicago, um, 
the person said that they want this to be like the Batman animated series where cool. it was a combination of mm -hmm. old timey plus modern and you really couldn't tell what time period it was. It was timeless. So I am looking forward to that. In fact, you may be seeing a few Doc Savage articles appear up on the Majorspoilers.com website uh, before too long. Uh, you should totally do a hero history. Yeah, you know, that wouldn't be too hard because uh, he's only got like 181 issues plus the Philip Jose Farmer stuff that was written in the uh, in the 90s. So, And I have a complete run of the Marvel stuff, so. so as do I. Hit me up. I've also got the uh, lesser known stuff from companies that no longer exist and only um, were in existence to. Doc Savage and the Monkees? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, I'm Doc Savage. <laughs> and people say I'll shoot you in the face. <laughs> Okay, speaking of shooting in the face, Matthew, you just set oh, me up. You just set you me up, and I'm just stop. knocking them down. You pass. Stop. You must chill. <laughs> I have hidden your keys. Chill. Punisher, rest in pieces. Supposedly, the death of the Punisher is coming in Marvel Comics, and then uh, some bizarre covers coming out over the last couple of weeks showing maybe zombie, cyborg, uh, Frankenstein, Frank Punisher. Punisher. Frankencastle. Mm, what do you guys castle. thought of this? I, I want to hear Rodrigo's comments first, and then Matthew, because you, I think you already made a comment about this on the website. Um, I mean, I like, I like the Punisher conceptually. I haven't read a Punisher comic in a long time, but I like what the Punisher stands for. He's, you know, a crazy ass guy with guns who is avenging his family by killing everybody. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm Frank Castle. I've come to shoot you in the face. Exactly. All right. Um, Frank and Punisher, don't don't care for it. Uh, you know, as a, as a different character, if they just did a brand new character that was essentially the Punisher, except he is Frankenstein, you know, he's like somebody killed his family and then him, and then they put him back together, and now he's killing people, then maybe I'd be on board. But not this way. That but not this not way, this no. way that it looks like it's going, Matthew. Yes. What What are your thoughts on this whole thing? I think I can put my thoughts better together in the form of a song. All right, the musical major spoilers podcast only took you 125 issues. Undead cyborg zombie hit man. Undead cyborg zombie hit man. Undead cyborg zombie hit man. Matthew won't be buying it. Turtle power, <laughs> Franken power. Wasn't didn't they kill? Didn't they do this stunt before with uh, Frank Castle? Sort of, kind of. Back in the day with the AKs and the pros, uh, roughly 1994, I think that Marvel did an over the edge crossover series, and this would have been, I think, right about the time that uh, Quesada took over, or right before that, where Frank Castle died and was resurrected. Not necessarily as like a, a Franken-zombie, but as more of a traditional magic zombie with this weird glowy symbol on his head. And he had these uh, spectral guns where he would come and kill people with these magical spectral guns from the fourth dimension. <laughs> and it makes you talk like Dr. Orpheus. <laughs> but... Behold, my spectral the guns of the, of the fourth dimension. I think that means that uh, Rodrigo is Jefferson Twilight, <laughs> but uh, neither here nor there. <laughs> I don't know. I think that any variations on the Punisher's well-worn theme, mm -hmm. not mentioning any names called, you know, the Executioner, oh? 
I think that any variations on that theme are probably a good thing, but I don't necessarily know that the Punisher is the kind of character that's going to lend himself to that whole Batman-esque, oh, now he's a zombie, and now he's Green Lantern, and now he's a vampire. Arr. The Punisher doesn't necessarily have that verisimilitude to me, so I think, uh, that's like I said on the website, I think that if they actually kill him, it won't last necessarily well we kind of if we that. have if we have this teenage you know ninja zombie hitman whatever we have i don't think that'll last and i think it'll probably get retconned away in maybe six or ten months i could be wrong we could be looking at you know cyborg punisher five years from now but really cyborg punisher isn't that just uh image comics super patriot yeah there you for go for all intents and purposes there you go well, well, we'll keep following that story and many more over at the Majorspoilers.com website. We really appreciate everyone who's part of the entire Major Spoilers experience from the website to the forums to the podcast to the, what else we got going? To, to the, the windows, to the walls. Yes. There's been toast to the wall. To the M, to the S, to the P. Um, and we really want to thank this week, we want to thank uh, the Mid-OhioCon for sponsoring this show. The Mid-OhioCon takes place October 3rd and 4th in, uh, I think it's the Columbus Convention Center in Columbus, Ohio. You can find out more at the midohiocon.com. And if you would like to be Bep- like Beppo the Super Monkey, who uh, donated some poo at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. At high but, speed. But don't donate poo. Donate actual yeah. money. All you have to do is make a donation by clicking on the donate button at the Majorspoilers.com website. Remember, every little bit helps. Keeps that site running a little while longer. We can continue bringing you the Major Spoilers experience. Maybe, maybe if you're good, maybe I'll get to the post-crisis appearance of the Legion of Super Pets. Ooh. Anything, anything could happen. Anything could. You just never Thursday know. is anything could happen day. And you could even get uh, Matthew to give you a shout out at the top of the show. $10 or more donation. That is all it takes. Why don't we dive? For yes. $57.12, I will do my entire review in character as Sean Connery. There you go. It's got to be that exact all amount. All of okay. you little comic geeks will probably like that. All right. Let's dive in to the email bag this week. Ding! You've got mail. Will you stop <laughs> with the... No. <laughs> I just got to throw that in there because I know it just makes Matthew so happy. It, 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 it doesn't make sense. It's an email. <laughs> Why would an email go? <laughs> because we print it out. Rodrigo? Just want to say that I love the Major Spoilers Dungeon Crawl. Only just finished it today on account of having been away for the past couple weeks. I am eager to hear the next session, and I would like to hear the Major Spoilers crew try other RPGs. Keep up the good work. I am currently working my way through the backlog of major spoilers issues that have built up whilst I was away. And I look forward to the next episode. Love the show. Scott Hunter, your British fan, the one that called in on the 100th issue. Thank you, Scott Hunter, very much. And I did mention last week that we would have some Dungeons and Dragons major spoilers crawl. What is it? The D&D, the MSP D&D. The MSP D&D 3 can we just MP3? call it? Can we just call it like the major spoilers campaign? I think that's what we're going to call it. The major okay. spoiler campaign will have a new, the beginning of a new quest. Well, a continuation of the quest, but I guess it would be the second beginning session. Of a new mm-hmm. Arc. The new arc kicks off this Saturday, up on the major Saturday, spoilers. Saturday, Saturday. Website. Now, this is the important part. The important part, important part, important part. We want to make sure that everybody who loves the Dungeons and Dragons stuff get their fill of Dungeons and Dragons stuff. And we want to make sure that those people who want to get their fill of major spoiler stuff get their fill of major spoiler stuff. So 
We will be posting, of course, the Major Spoilers podcast up on the Majorspoilers.com website. We will be posting the Dungeons & Dragons episodes up on the Major Spoilers website. But the Dungeons & Dragons episode will no longer be part of the Major Spoilers continuity. We're spinning this off into a new podcast series. Uh, It should be up in iTunes. Man, it's going to be about another week before it shows up in iTunes. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I've got to build it and I'm waiting for some art from our good friend Scott Johnson over at MyExtraLife.com. Um, but we're, we've got that coming up and then you'll have your feed and we have recorded, this is what we were doing on Thursday. We were recording session three. Mm-hmm. So we've got almost two and a half months worth of content already in the can for you guys. I just Woo! need to sit down and edit it and put it together and edit out all the, the nose pickings and the burpins and the pizza eatings. I never got pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you did have a fancy sandwich last week. So I had salami on white bread. Mm-hmm. Fancy, mm-hmm. fancy, fancy. So be fancy. looking for that, uh, everybody who has been clamoring for Dungeons & Dragons, because we enjoy doing that. We want to bring that to you, and we want to make and sure we that know you have do that. Too. And we will make sure that we post all the information about that feed up on the site as we get to it. We should consider a Champions game once we finish this, where we're in superhero mode. I think that would be way cool, Junior. I'll think about it. Have you done that one? I haven't done Champions, but I've done uh, Mutants and Masterminds and Aberrant, both of which are superhero. Do they still make villains and vigilantes? Um, I don't know. Sam had mentioned in his email, or I'm sorry, Scott had mentioned in his email uh, Cthulhu. Have you ever done Cthulhu? I haven't. I have. You have? How do you like that, Matthew? It is what it is. Uh, The thing about... uh, Cthulhu and specifically the Arkham Tales is if you go in manipulating player knowledge, mm-hmm. it can be pretty tedious. Mm. Um, you know, if you go in thinking, burn all the books, you'll never have any fun because nobody will go insane and, you know, be crazy and stuff. Right. I don't entirely know that we necessarily maintain the gravitas mm-hmm. necessary to have a really creepy Arkham type campaign. Okay. Uh, at well, least for not, now, not I'm, to date. I am pushing towards level 30, and I think we've only made it up to level 3. Yep. So we've got a ways to go in the Dungeons & Dragons call, uh, crawl, uh, so be looking for that, and we'll have many more adventures in the months to come. Why don't we get to some reviews now, Matthew? And as soon as the neighborhood dogs stop barking, <laughs> Rodrigo, what are you gonna what are you gonna review for us this week? I review. Um, I read um, Hercules, Ch-chunk. Knives of Kush, number one. <laughs> How would a knife <laughs> of Kush be at all dangerous? It'd be like all flump, <laughs> fluffy, and booty booty. Yep. Because my daughter has a Kush ball, and it just kind of goes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is out from Radical uh, Radical Publications, Radical Press. It's out this <laughs> week. <laughs> depending on when you're listening to it. Hercules, the Knives of Kush, number one. That's right. So um, I didn't realize that this is part of an ongoing Hercules thing. I didn't know that Radical was putting out right. a Hercules book. Right. So I picked it up. I thought it was going to be the very beginning of a new Hercules adventure, but it picks up after his previous adventure. He's out uh, out at sea with a few of his friends. Uh, just to make it easy, we'll call them Argonauts. Okay. Um. They're not on the Argo, though. They're on a different ship. Okay. I think the Argo might have gotten blowed up. Real good. Real good. 
Um, so they arrive at the shores. They they get attacked by one d six plus one pirates, <laughs> and they fight him off. And the pirate bandit king gets away, and he's like, "I'll get you, Hercules." And Hercules is like, "I am Hercules." <laughs> Hercules, Hercules. That's right. So they make it to Egypt, um, and they immediately get involved in a skirmish between some evil bandits and some of the royal knights of the pharaoh. Mm. Um, and they just absolutely 100% get embroiled in this war, um, despite the uh, the cries of... Uh, of their like little thief friend of of basically of their rogue. Oh, okay. Of their, he doesn't. Is he a comic relief character? No, he's just kind of a uh, looking out for number one kind of guy. Uh, okay. And I forget his name. Okay, but forgiven. Yeah, thank you, father. <laughs> um, it's it's good times. It's a very kind of straightforward thing. Um, it's you know the Hercules and his posse are foreigners. So the the pharaoh kind of conscripts them to find out who the traitors are, since you know foreigners might accidentally wander into the wrong places and would be asking a lot of questions and stuff. So it's nice. There's intrigue. There's a lot of action. The art is fantastic. Oh yeah, you like that? I really like it. Um, uh, who's that? It's like uh, Chris Bolson or something. I think so. Chris Bolson. Yeah. Um. You know, I like the design of Hercules. He's basically wearing his Nemean lion uh, mm-hmm. headdress the whole time, so he just looks gigantic. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, it's just it's just very good. I really liked it. Um, and what slices of how many slices of meatloaf are you going to have with this issue? I'd give it three and a half. Cool, it's good times. You're looking forward to the upcoming ones, definitely. Excellent. All right, Rodrigo, thank you very much. That is Hercules: The Knives of Kush in stores this week. Depending on when you're listening. All right, this week I am taking a look at The Mighty Number 7 from DC Comics. Came out last week, a couple weeks ago, again, depending on when you're listening. Hey! I cannot cannot help but continually compare The Mighty to uh, Boom Studios' Irredeemable. Hmm. That's because you're evil. Well, it's because, well, here we've got two series where the hero turns into the antagonist, really, in the story. In the case of Irredeemable, we've got a hero that has just turned badass crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And is doing evil things. But in The Mighty, we've got Alpha, who still has the appearance of the hero, but is doing some really creepy villain-type things behind the scenes, and it's up to the head of the Omega Force or whatever um, um, the the lead character is in charge of, to him to find out what's really going on with Alpha and why other people are dying. The other heads of this uh, Omega team are constantly dying. And I got to say, you know, last week or two weeks ago when I was talking about um, uh, Irredeemable, I talked about some really creepy passive-aggressive things that that the Plutonian was doing. Here the Mighty is just doing some creepy, creepy stuff. There's a little boy burying his goldfish in the yard, weeping over Goldie. Oh, Goldie, I sure wish, da-da-da-da. I sure miss you. And then Alpha shows up and says, yes, son, I understand how the loss of a loved one can do all blah, 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 blah. And it's just coming off as the real hero. And the kid's like, gee, Alpha, I sure wish that I could, you know, hang out with you. And Alpha's like, well, why don't you come with me, son? And and I will protect you and I will do some, you know, great things. And so the boy goes with him. They fly off together. 
Meanwhile, the kid's dad is dying from a heart attack up in the bedroom. And Alpha does not do anything to help. You know, nice. so here's there's not not said what uh, Alpha is going to do with a boy, although I think he's trying to set up a family unit because of something that happens um, with, uh, I think it's Chris, or I think is his name, uh, what happens with his wife at the end of the issue, where, you know, Chris is trying to figure out what the former head was doing. He gets led into um, some bullets that may or may not be able to bring down Alpha at some point, so that's a big um, concern. But Alpha is super paranoid and is just constantly surveilling Chris and his wife uh, to the point where at the end of the issue, we believe that Chris's wife has died in a big car explosion, which, again, Alpha probably had something to do with it. And then there's this whole scene with a bunch of terrorists and a bomb that you think they're, you know, Alpha is going in to stop it. And it turns out he's the one that set it all up. And he's just like flips on a dime from really nice guy to this evil, creepy guy. And it it's it's disturbing. This is a series that continues to disturb me because, again, it's asking that question, what happens when you have absolute power and is it going to corrupt you? And what would really happen if there were a character like a Superman or the Sentry or, you know, without another man. without another direct analog to stop him? Right. Exactly. Without a Batman with that kryptonite ring in his pocket. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the mighty uh, number seven from D.C., Peter Tomasi, uh, Keith Champagne, uh, working on this uh, title. Excellent. I think I had Keith Champagne at my wedding. Yes. <laughs> I think you probably had pink champagne at your wedding, but Keith is probably also up there as well. Um, no. This is, again, an excellent, excellent uh, series that if you're not reading, you really owe it to yourself to pick up. Seven issues in, you can go back and find the first six in the uh, trade quarter bin, dollar bin. Where are they at the Gatekeeper of Comics and Hobbies, Matthew? They're under M, right? I think right after something and right before Mr. Miracle. Oh, okay. Well, see, you can pick up your Mr. Miracle. They have too. their own header. Excellent. Well, this is an excellent uh, series, and I'm giving it four slices of meatloaf just because it's got mm -hmm. that huge creepy factor to it that makes me keep wanting to read to see when Alpha's finally going to trip and show his hand. I used to work on a website for a guy who would go from really, really nice to creepy. Oh. <laughs> hey oh I, I what, what remember you, ladies and gentlemen tip your waiter try the veal all right matthew what have you got for us this week on the review o meter the review o meter let's spin the wheel of review <laughs> justice <laughs> that's society a funny noise <laughs> that's fun i think we're gonna do that noise every episode oh, oh, jesus <laughs> justice <laughs> Justice Society of America, the original super team number 29. Uh, this is kind of one of them that uh, jumping on points. Uh, the series was revamped or re-thingied 10, 15 years ago by Jeff Johns and James Robinson and several people. Right. And this is really the first issue of Justice Society in quite a few years that isn't a Jeff Johns joint. Which isn't a Magog story. No, God. it's not a Magog story either, thank God. This is uh, yeah. Bill Willingham, who I absolutely adore, and Matt Sturgis, Matthew mm -hmm. Sturgis, whomever he is. Hey, we've had him on the show before. 
No, I, my problem is when people shorten my first name, I get really enraged. Ah. And since it's the same first name, I realized what I had done, and then I corrected myself, and then I went back, and it turned out it was Action Comics 292. But that's not the point. The uh, point is this. <laughs> the point is, don't make Matthew irate, because then he just becomes bitter for the rest of the night. Bill Willingham has taken over the Justice Society of America as of this issue. Right. The art is by Jesus Marino, who's really good, and... Marino's style throughout actually reminds me of Bill Willingham's work years ago on Elementals. Mm -hmm. I can't help but think that that's intentional. Maybe. I don't know if, you know, because really when Bill Willingham relaunched Shadow Pact five or six years ago, he did maybe the first four issues and I was really on board. And every issue after that, when the art wasn't Bill, I was just like, but Bill did it so much better. <laughs> yeah. But this one opens up with the Justice Society, which, by the way, now officially has more active members than the Legion of Superheroes. Wow. Coming together to deal with this weird egg. It's this pitch black egg that they found. And my first thought is, look for a pitch black bird. <laughs> We're introduced to another, another couple of new members. Um, Mr. America has a kid sidekick, the All-American Boy, or the All-American Kid. Jack Armstrong will probably sue. Isn't there, we also, isn't there some weirdness about the origin story where, about his origin where it's like his whole family was wiped out in the war, yet how come he can still have descendants? That didn't make any sense to me. Who's uh, that, Mr. The, America? No, no, the uh, sidekick kid. The sidekick kid? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, the sidekick just, kid. Whatever his sidekick is, he has a weird origin story about how he's a legacy character as well. His his great uncle is a hero. Oh, great uncle. Okay, I was thinking so for some grandmother's reason grandmother's brother was yeah. shot, which generally won't stop you from being born. Right, 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 right. right I know right. my grandmother's brother died in the 50s. Yeah. And I'm still here. For some reason, I read that when I first read it was uh, I, his great-grandfather. You probably read it the same way you read things that I write, which is not professional. <laughs> But in any case, the new All-American kid ends up, and it's interesting to me that the JSA seems to have a dormitory now for young heroes. And we meet, uh, you know, the All-American kid and his roommate, King Chimera, who is the great-grandson of the original King, King Standish, who literally only I have heard of. Uh, at the same time, the entire Justice Society... Didn't he appear in Action Comics number 229? Ah, <laughs> shut up. Anyway... The entire Justice Society, <laughs> including, uh, I'm going to actually, since I don't like the name Magog, I am going to rename him Goat Boy. Okay. The entire Justice Society of America, Stargirl, Power Girl, Cyclone, Green Lantern, Liberty Bell, Our Man, Mr. Terrific, Judo Master, Dr. Midnight, Wildcat, Wildcat 2, The Atom, Smasher, Damage, The Original Flash, Goat Boy, and somebody else whose name escapes me all come together in battle trying to figure out this mysterious black egg. And the first time I saw it, I finally started went, hey, doesn't Green Lantern have a son who's made of this entirely inky, shadowy substance? Why, yes. Yes, he does. And then the entire team, Stargirl, Cyclone, Green Lantern, Thunder, Lightning, Power Girl, Mr. America, Damage, Goat Boy, Citizen Steel, Our Man, Liberty Bell, Dr. Midnight, Wildcat, Wildcat 2, Judo Master, and The Flash go into battle Against Major Force, the Mammoth. Now, I'm not going to keep doing this. But in any case, they come up against a horde, a literal horde of about 50 supervillains. Some of whom are so obscure that I had to look them up. Oh, I was going to say that they're appearing, they're so obscure they're appearing in a Dynamite Entertainment series. Hello! 
But anyway, there's a big fighty fighty, and there's a fighty fighty fighty, and uh, Eclipso, who I thought was dead, That's and or the so Adam's wife, appears. And Dr. Polaris, who I thought was dead. And Major Force, whom I thought was dead. And Blackbriar Thorn, who I'm almost certain was dead, all appear in this issue. And hmm. it's a big fighty-fighty. And there's a big fighty-fighty. And someone points out that, hey, that's weird. It seems as though they've chosen this team to perfectly battle the JSA. Yeah, because there's a point where a Star Girl's trying to get it in with, get it on with somebody, beat him up, and they're like, "No, my fight is not with no, you. No, I will not him. fight you. I will fight someone else." Right. And none of them want to fight Star Girl. Uh, while at the same time, me. back at headquarters, the All American Kid finds himself controlled by Jesse Custer. Apparently, <laughs> well, all of his dialogue appears to be read. That's an in joke for the four people that got it. Hello, future people! And the All-American Kid stabs Mr. Terrific six or eight times in the back. Man, that's brutal. Gasparoonie! Now, here's the thing. I don't honestly think that Mr. Terrific is going to die horribly. But it is a shocking moment, and Mr. Terrific is one of those characters where I really like him. And if they do kill him, I'm going to be doubly, doubly unhappy. But then the fighty-fighty goes on, and we end the issue with a double cliffhanger. Uh, the Justice Society is pretty much laid out, except for Stargirl and The Flash, mm -hmm. surrounded by supervillains while Mr. Terrific bleeds to death back at headquarters. Now, wouldn't this be a great lead-in to a Blackest Night issue? Wouldn't it, though? I don't know that it is, necessarily. I I don't know either, but... I, it doesn't matter either one way or the other, but... I really like this issue. I liked the art. I like what Bill Willingham generally does, especially with huge casts of characters. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of you ever read the original Elemental series. Long time ago. Yeah, Elemental's volume two like segued into this enormous war <laughs> where all the superheroes started fighting. Right. And it's like 30 and 40 characters, and Willingham will pop back and forth between these characters. And it's fascinating to see the, the, you know, the intricate voices and all of you know, the characters. And you see him for half a panel, and you're like, that's my new favorite character. And he really does that here. Um, he's kind of hampered by the huge cast of the JSA, but not so much that it really affects the story. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe down the line, I'll be like, why, do, why haven't I seen Citizen Steel in 16 issues? But... I like this as the launching point for a new direction. It really does show off, you know, a little bit about what he and Sturgis can do. The plot is kind of interesting. There's some hints of something greater going on. There's a little bit of creepiness. There's an obnoxious new character who everybody is probably going to love to hate. And, you know, a character that I really liked is in jeopardy in a way that makes me actually care that he's in jeopardy. That's hard to do sometimes, but, you know... I'm upset in that there are rumors floating about those intard webs God dang that indicates webs. that, you know, someone is going to die in JSA. And I'm thinking, I hope it's not Mr. Terrific. Not only is he a great legacy character, he's one of DC's most prominent African-American characters, which right I now. think would be a huge loss. Yeah. And quite frankly, he does something that nobody else does. A lot of the characters in the JSA... Citizen Steel is a big, strong guy who walks around and punches things. You know, if, if you're going to kill somebody, to me, I wouldn't necessarily start with the character that I love the most. And then again, if you're going to kill somebody and make it mean something, maybe that is where you start. Either way, I'm looking at a four-slice-of-meatloaf affair. It's a very Excellent. strong launch. 
The art is excellent. You know, it's a different voice than Jeff Johns, mm -hmm. but not so different that you look at it and go, well, this isn't my JSA Patui. Right. You know, it's 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 kind of interesting in a new direction the same way it was when Morrison started Batman and Robin. It may not be what I've loved about the series, but it's something new and different. Mm -hmm. And it's something different enough that it's interesting in its own way, and I want to see where it goes. I, you know, I like that issue, too, and... I let me let me throw this at you. I know that the issue before this, 28, was not written by Willingham, but right. it was a very Stargirl-centric story. Yes. Right? She's getting her braces mm -hmm. off, and then she doesn't get her braces off. Great mm -hmm. Starman lines in there. Mm -hmm. 29 features Stargirl getting all kind of, why won't anybody fight me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. What if she's the one that they kill? I would come and I would take them apart with cheese sandwiches. More so than uh, Mr. Terrific? More so than Mr. Terrific. All right. Well, JSA 29, go check it out. That is also from DC Comics. Two four stars and a, what did you say, three and a half star mm -hmm. this week. So it's been well, a pretty good. Let's see. Four and four and three is 11 and a half. Divide that by three. That's an average of, hell, nine stars. Excellent. Because that's what we're looking at here. Nine slices of meatloaf for the week. All right. That's Reviews actually what I had for lunch. A meatloaf sandwich? Cold meatloaf sandwich or warm? Navy beans, navy beans, navy beans. You can find more reviews, of course, up at the Majorspoilers.com website. And as Matthew will always say about reviews... When the reviews are over. Well, I was going to say your mileage may vary, but go ahead. Oh, I do say that too. <laughs> it's time. Though your mileage may vary. <laughs> For the millions in attendance, and by millions I mean spots in Stephen's eyes. I can't see them! And the 12 people watching at home. And by the way, you don't want to watch us because it's basically one handsome kid with an enormous beard, a big bald <laughs> fat guy, and a big balding fat guy kind of sitting around and eating Cheez-Its. Mm, Wait, which one am I? It's time. <laughs> This week, two of Dark Horse Comics' core characters step into the ring to kill or be killed, or more likely not be killed at all in both books. Subscriptions go up. <laughs> <laughs> this week, the major spoilers. Poll of the week! Week, 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 week. Squack bird is. Where was I? Oh, I, well, I don't know. You, you were saying something about a poll. I was saying something about a poll. Uh, well, this week mm -hmm. in honor of uh, the goon trade paperback that we will be getting to in a moment. Mm -hmm. and after, You're a goon. And after reading this, I thought, man, this is eerily familiar to something else the Dark Horse puts out. You're mm -hmm. a unitard. <laughs> I thought, what would happen if we put uh, the goon and Hellboy in a ring together and let them battle it out, who would come out on top? Hmm. It's a question a... for the ages. Actually, it's a question the for this week. The ages of seven to ten. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> a question for this week's poll of the week. Poll of the week, 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 week. In this corner, hailing from a small town where everybody is either a zombie or somebody straight out of a Bowery Boys movie. He has no name other than The Goon. The Goon. And in this corner, hailing from the bowels of hell itself. And by that I mean Ellis County, Kansas. <laughs> he is drawn by Mike Mignolia. 
And his right hand is bigger than Steven's if you're picking up what I'm throwing down. He is heck boy. Because we don't curse on the fucking podcast. Okay. Hellboy. The goon. All those young Two rounds. No falls. Go. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, to- it's a toss-up for me because I'm really... You know, both of these guys are fighting evil, monster, undeady type things. Mm-hmm. And both win in the end. Mm-hmm. But the goon... At the end of the day, is still a man, and Hellboy is the right hand of doom. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to go in a fight. I'm going to have to go with Hellboy after a lot of ah craps. Okay, Rodrigo. Okay. Um, you know, I'd actually probably go with the goon on this one. Really? Yeah, because and you know, obviously, when you get them together, you'd have to kind of mesh the styles a little bit. But the goon comic is is telling this weird story around the goon and the goon pretty much always wins right and if he doesn't then no he pretty much always wins in <laughs> in one way or another it's like he has this this weird plot based indestructibility right he is he is like the biggest thing ever in that little city mm-hmm. where he lives mm-hmm. and he's got so much going on i think that because it would violate the loss of the universe. <laughs> if he didn't, then the goon would actually win. All right. Matthew, you uh, talked about, you actually read the goon before the rest of us last week with your uh, your death clock. Uh, death clock, death clock. Meets the goon series. And it was brutal. It was totally brutal. So throw the goon in the, and Hellboy into the ring and what happens? Well, I had to break this down into what I like to refer to as the vaguely equivalent categories. To me, I look at the goon and I say he's vaguely equivalent to, say, well, let's go with a Luke Cage type character. Street level fighter, tougher than dirt, strong, street smart, punch him in the face. Right. Or Whereas to, to me, Hellboy. <laughs> yes. Hellboy. Well, we'll have to do Abe is, versus Frankie later. Yeah, he's more of a mystical character, and he's got more of a kind of a, you know, I have magical powers, and my hand is really huge, dude. I don't know what he's been smoking. But I look at Hellboy, especially the Ron Perlman Hellboy, as, you know, considerably stronger than just a big, strong guy who punches stuff. Right. So if you look at Hellboy, he's, you know, got that supernatural strength. It's kind of a Ghost Rider situation for me. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Ghost Rider versus Luke Cage. It feels to me like Ghost Rider may be physically about Luke Cage's power equivalent, but it seems like he has so many more ways to hurt somebody. Yeah. And I look at Hellboy and the goon and I go, well, the goon would punch and he would punch and he would punch and he's probably a really good fighter. But I feel like Hellboy kind of has more in the arsenal. Mm-hmm. So I actually went with Hellboy. Okay. And, what, did, uh, what did the rest of the major spoilers people think? Well, this was no surprise to me when you put this poll up. 90% wow. of my faithful spoiler, I'd say, the, that Hellboy easily handles the goon. And there aren't a lot of comments, but the general tone of the comments goes a little bit like this. Faithful spoilerite, August 11th at 343. What's a goon? Faithful spoilerite, <laughs> August 11th at 451. Hey, do you know what a goon is? <laughs> Faithful spoilerite, August 11th at 5.04 p.m. Hey, I looked up the goon in the wiki. Still, Hellboy wins. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the basic premise here is 
I don't think people have a clear enough idea, first of all, to tell us what the goon's power level is. And as Rodrigo noted, his power level is kind of dependent on how strong they need him to be, mm -hmm. which is kind of the nature of his stories. And we'll get to that in a bit. So I think that, you know, they, the overwhelming response, something like 279 out of 310 people saying Hellboy proves one thing and one thing only. People have heard of Hellboy. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I was really surprised about that, too. I thought there'd be more people that were familiar with the goon. I mean, Dark Horse even went so far as to have a whole line of um, Jones Soda yeah. featuring the goon, the goon not too long ago. And, well, you know uh, what my problem with the goon was? Which is? I don't know if you're familiar with an old-school Dark Horse title called uh, Dead Face. No. Dead Face really kind of looks like the goon to me. So it's one of those moments where my brain, and again, I'm old and I've read far too many comic books for, for human hands. Uh, I look at that and I think, hey, is that dead face? And then my brain goes, you know what's really good? Pie. <laughs> so, you know. I, I like how uh, the goon describes himself. He says, I look like a shaved gorilla with 20 pounds of ground uh, beef for a head. No dame that looks like that would... Uh be into me unless she wanted something. I learned that a long time ago. So, you know, he's... Are you sure that's not your diary from college, Steve? Oh, my God, it is! Oh, hey, wait a minute. I reviewed the wrong book. Uh, here we go. Diary of a Wimpy Kid. No, that was also my book from college. Um, I'll pay you next was high Tuesday. <laughs> that was my life in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. You can vote up there at the Majorspoilers.com website. Uh, Hellboy or the Goon, I think the fight's pretty much over, unfortunately. But maybe we can remedy that. Now, our number one Major Spoilers fanboy, Julian, is just going gaga over at the Major Spoilers forums about the goon Chinatown. Mm -hmm. And he's just going on and on, won't shut up about the goon. <laughs> God damn, Julian, shut up about the goon. <laughs> so I said, You're well... You're my style. <laughs> I said, why don't we just pick up the goon and find out what it's about? Of course, it's been around for forever, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, why don't we give it a look? Look-see. Maybe we'll review it. Maybe we'll get some other people on board. Maybe we'll find out that Julian's really crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's crazy, though. I don't think so. After reading this. We are reading volume number one. This is actually put out by Dark Horse Comics, although it is collecting the books from when they were on the... Bah, 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 I forget the uh, the original... Imprint. Uh, imprint. I don't see it here in front of me. I thought Do I had it. Do not see it. Do not see it. Now, oh, well. Dark Horse Comics republished all of this. It's a mystery. Albatross exploding funny books. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you totally made that up. <laughs> so we find out that the goon lives in this town. We'll call it Goon Town. We're going to call it Goonville. Where you are no, either we're going to call it Goon Town, damn you. You are either a human, mm -hmm. or you are a zombie, or you some kind of monster. Yep. Or as we like to call it, Ellis County, Kansas. Yep. Yep. That is. It is. True. It is reminiscent. And this story is. I mean, this series. These. I think. What do we have? Like five stor stories here, and a couple of shorts from uh, other mm -hmm. places. Something like five or six. Yeah. We have the goon battling fishhead mobsters. We have the goon going in trying to find gold doubloons in a house that's haunted by inbred uh, ghosts. cannibal ghosts. Yeah. We have the goon fighting. Uh, what is this? This old man's name. Um, the the vulture. The well, this guy. Yeah, is that who it is? 
The guy that controls oh, no, no, the no. zombies. The, the, the pre- they call him all kinds of different things. Yeah, they things, call him like the preacher or the something. The preacher, the yeah. priest, and things like that. I don't remember exactly what his the name priest, is. The priest preacher. We have him fighting... The buzzard. <laughs> the buzzard. We have him fighting uh, Santa's elves. Whose armpits are... Or whose <laughs> are their ears, ears are in their armpits. And throughout this, we have him fighting harpy strippers. Yep. And throughout this... <laughs> Throughout this series, even though he's fighting all these monstrosities, the book is riddled with humor left and right. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point where I couldn't decide, we were talking before the show, I couldn't decide if my two favorite panels from this uh, trade were where the goon's sidekick is talking to this mobster uh, fish guy, and he says, so, in other words, what I'm saying is, knife to the eye! <laughs> <laughs> and he says, ha, 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 I love that bit. Uh, or... If it's this uh, in the very first serious issue where the goon is driving down the street with this big octopus on the front of his car and he's shooting it in the head saying, I said, get off. Your beak is scratching the paint. (laughs) I don't know if it's that. You know, I don't. This book is so funny in a very kind of straight way. (laughs) I love the moment where he pins the guy down with a piece of like a mailbox or something. He's like, where is the guy? Where is the guy? I have no feeling from the chest down. (laughs) Uh, It just, uh, that whole, the whole book is just like that though. Well, and the, the cleverness to me comes from the fact, it's like every once in a while, Rodrigo will quote the robot devil when he says, you can't just have people say how they feel. That makes me feel angry. (laughs) But that's exactly what the characters do here. And they do it in such a hysterical manner. Um, when Frankie is tied up by the by the strippers, yeah, they keep stretching and bending over and dropping stuff and picking it up and jumping up and down and acting like they're going to touch me, but they don't. <laughs> I love that because that's what strippers do. There's a uh, running gag with an inflatable chicken mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that eventually takes down some bog monster, which is funny. Um, it's very it's it's. It kind of actually reminds me of last week when we were doing Tank Girl, where there's kind of an episodic feel where there isn't a whole lot of carryover. Right. It's, you know, it's what's funny for the plot this week and, you know, what are we going to do? But I feel like it kind of holds together a little better. I like the point where on page one of the story, some crazy person comes up and hands him something. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then later on in the book, oh, yeah, I'm going to use this to kill a ghost. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's foreshadowing, man. Uh, petrified cat eyeballs on cinnamon floss. Cinnamon flavored dental floss. Yes. <laughs> Looney Tune people who play in the mud. Is there anything they don't know? <laughs> to me, the goon always kind of has that accent where he talks like this here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of in uh, your, your Archie Bunker type of voice here. Yeah. It, I mean, it's. I don't know. Rodrigo, you talk. I'm just so. so uh, uh, dumbfounded by how great this this book is. It is pretty great, and and really the it is just awesome because it doesn't have really any internal consistency in a good way. You know, it's like anything can happen. Really, right. anything can happen. There's this part where the goon bursts into the bar, and he's and he says, uh, "What does he say?" He's like, "Norton, where's Spider?" Right. And of course, you expect you know you've seen these guys. Basically, these guys look like. Guys from Popeye, yeah. Except they're like rendered a little too well, so it's mm-hmm. weird. It's like they're like mm-hmm. very three dimensional cartoons. 
Right. So it's like, oh, the spider's in the back. And you expect him to be a you know gangster-looking guy like these right. guys. No, he's an actual spider <laughs> who wears a bowler hat. He's a gigantic spider with a bowler hat. That's spider. <laughs> so the goon runs in and beats him up because he owes him money. And the spider accidentally bites him. And, you know, he they kind of get in a fight about it. And so the bo- the goon beats the crap out of him, and he's like, "You better pay me those five bucks you owe me." Yeah, tears up the whole bar. Yeah, put it on my tab. Put it on my tab. There's another great piece, and I forget. I I don't know if it's the Christmas issue or not, but they're in the bar, and if you read all the background dialogue, yeah. it's from "It's a Wonderful Life." Nice. That's how funny this. this I is. wish I had a million dollars. Yeah. Ah, look! Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Ah. Uh, there's also this running, there are some running gags that run throughout, such as yeah. Frankie, who is the goon's sidekick, has got this, uh, girlfriend that's built just like, like a dream house, I guess is what you'd say. Just we, like a rabbit. We never mm-hmm. see her face. And that's right. this is, uh, you know, honestly, except for the death clock, uh, versus the goon or meets the goon issue from last week, none of us have read the goon. So I don't know right. what happens after this first volume. I don't know if... In later volumes, it's revealed that she's, what, Edna Hyena? You know, she's got this great body, but this terrible face. <laughs> or Edwina, what is funny. it, Edwina Hyena? I forget what her name, name is from the card. Hyena. Okay, Edna Hyena. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it, I think it was the, the petrified eyeballs on, on cinnamon-flavored floss yeah. uh, that triggered me to go, wow, this is very much like Hellboy, but yeah. a funny Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it, to me, I, I also really enjoy the fake uh, Golden Age comic book ads. Yes, the atomic rage. His brain is nuclear. Well, and the fact that in the last story with the uh, psychic seal network or whatever ad that's in there, yeah, they uh-huh. actually make that part of the story where uh, the goon is talking to the seal about some uh, arf, 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 arf. <laughs> about some uh, invading one-eyed eyeball monster from outer space, and they're yeah. just asking questions back and forth, and then the whole gimmick is this is just a three-page yeah. comic gag. But the title of that story is what really sells it for me. Fighting the one-eyed scumbag from outer space. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's awesome to me. The attack of the one-eyed scumbag from outer space. I love that. Art, 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 <laughs> art, art. And you say that spaceship Can- is a freakish one-eyed alien? Art, art. <laughs> Can the greatest hero of the golden age withstand testicular cancer? <laughs> art. <laughs> I, it, the, I think the thing that works is That's my groin. It's hard to write straightforward adventure, and it's hard to write humor. And it's doubly hard to write humor that doubles as a straightforward adventure. Mm-hmm. This is never quite funny enough that I would go, man, it's a straight, it's a, it's a funny comic. But it's not like, it's not a comedy show. Right. But then the adventure portion of it, you know, the, the two-fisted punch him in the face and have a bourbon, mm-hmm. is just too much fun to not look at it and enjoy as, you know, kind of an adventure story. Yeah. I love the fact that in the very first appearance, there's these weird veiled references to what has gone before. That's mm-hmm. what triggered me to go on, wait a minute, are we reading volume one? Am I missing something Yeah, here? I'm looking at the spine. Yeah. And at one point, the hand of God literally reaches down and punches a character yeah, and Frankie's like, it. I think I got a new phobia. Yeah, it's just one of those moments where it, the the book is full of moments where the characters say literally some of the funniest crap you've heard in comics. Oh yeah, 
by far. Because you demanded it, cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is written and drawn by Eric Powell. Yeah. And I've got to say, the writing we've been talking about, full of great gags, some great stories in here. You really owe it to yourself, listener. If you haven't picked it up, if you don't know what the heck the goon is, go out and pick this up. But the art is blow-away kind of art. It reminds me of Will Eisner. Mm-hmm. It reminds yeah. me of creepy comics. It reminds me of um, who did the, the old the old EC comics? Yeah, that's what Graham, I'm saying. Graham Ingalls. Yes. There's a point where I'm looking at that, and I swear to you, if he's not doing it on purpose, you know, it's it's uh, it looks like a Graham Ingalls comic from you know Tales from the Crypt or Crypt of Terror. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it just, uh, I also got the feeling, did he also do some of the early Mad Magazine stuff when Mad was still at EC? Yeah. Uh, Ingalls, well, Mad Magazine was mostly Harvey Kurtzman, but all of the guys, Jack Davis and uh, Graham Ingalls and those guys doubled and did work for Mad as well. Yeah, because there's just panels out here that I'm like, man, this is so evocative of that time period. And mm-hmm. it just, it just, it's beautiful art, even though we're looking at monsters and mashed up uh, hamburger face bad guys and and you know, one eyed scumbags from outer space in my, I might add Im- immaculately cut pinstripe suits yes know? yes they're they're alien appendages <laughs> sticking out of this suit you know it reminds me of the suit that uh, Henry Blake wore when he left Mash oh, uh, but that's a reference for old people. The guy had a guy had a phone in his shoe. That's how it used to be. That's what high technology was like back then. We thought in the future people would talk through their shoes. Oh. Apparently, old people are the king of town. <laughs> apparently, yes. <laughs> Which was a series kids back like in the nineteen uh, eighties that yeah. starred uh, Pee Wee Herman. Uh, who uh, later got in trouble for doing something uh, in the yep. theater. Hello! Hate to ruin Meanwhile. your life. He was also in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He the was movie. also the spleen in uh, Mystery He had Man. the best yes, death scene ever. Great death scenes like the uh, ones we find in The Goon. Yeah. I'm still cracking up over this uh, bog monster getting, uh, getting his clock cleaned by an inflatable chicken. Yeah. See, I didn't necessarily... Why is it every time I come to town, I wind up unconscious in a ditch with a rubber chicken and no idea how I got there? <laughs> I I didn't necessarily trigger to knife in the eye <laughs> the way you did, but I love bits and pieces where, is, is your mom making the dressing? Make sure she's making the dressing. All I've got to say is, knife to the eye! <laughs> All right. Uh, some other thoughts on this, guys? Gentlemen's? It's a... It's a weird world, and it, it, it throws you right into it, so you don't have time to sit there and worry about your suspension of disbelief. Right. But it's a world that reminds me of, you know, like you said, like a Bowery Boys movie. It seems mm-hmm. to take place in the 1930s. Right. If the 1930s took place in a city that was alternately, you know, Chicago of Upton Sinclair's The Jungle and Transylvania. Yep. I like where so the it, zombies live. Easy story. <laughs> they live it down street. at the end of Lonely Street. Yep. <laughs> it's just uh, this is uh, you know Julian this is the reason why Julian's our number one fanboy of the major spoilers uh, experience right now is because he does find stuff that we haven't read and is you know uh, pitching it to us is telling us we've got to read it we've got to pick it up and we do and we love it I mean that's what I do I love mm-hmm. that this is a oh, yeah. a five star the whole meatloaf sandwich the 
go out and buy the two thumbs up. This is highly recommended if you have not picked up The Goon, Nothing But Misery. This is the first volume by Eric Powell. Rodrigo. Right. Definitely. Definitely go pick it up. Um, if you want your funny and your punchy punch in your comics, then The Goon is great for you. And there's clearly a very intense storyline developing. I mean, it's right. it's really got a little bit of everything. It's got humor. It's got a through line. You know, I kind of I, I joke that it didn't have internal consistency, but it actually does. It's got this really weird kind of complex internal consistency as to you know when characters die and when they don't, and mm-hmm. you know all this kind of crazy stuff going on. And I, if I'm not Santa's mistaken, in it, a werewolf's in it. <laughs> yeah. If I'm not mistaken, things do get. Uh, probably more intense uh, mm-hmm. as the series goes on from what I've been able to, to uh, suss out from people. So, Matthew? Suss. I like a series that's quotable. Yes. And the moment where Frankie meets Santa, hey, if you exist, how come you ain't brought me nothing? Because you're a rotten little <laughs> son of a bitch. That's why. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I love that. You know, this is infinitely quotable. The The bits and pieces. What's really interesting to me is that Powell draws, you know, when he does the Atomic Rage issues, he or little things, he does this interesting kind of 40s Kirby pastiche. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then his normal style looks a certain way, but when we see the zombies, or excuse me, not the zombies, the uh, sort of whatever they are, the, the stripper creatures in their yeah, the, humanoid forms. The harpies, yeah. I mean, they're really, we're talking like psychotically attractive. Yeah. They kind of remind me of when Mike Alred does Pretty Girls. Mm -hmm. But then everybody else is still drawn like the goon with the missing teeth and the face. And it's it's like his art style is this infinitely mutable thing where he goes from, you know, cartoony to realistic to this freakish kind of, you know, Popeye on acid thing. Yeah. I mean, the art is fascinating, and the writing is just really smart and really quotable. Well, there's a scene where one of the girls is kicking Goon in the face, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's there's such dynamism in the thing, but you look at it, it looks like she's drawn by a completely different person on a completely different planet, and yet the whole panel holds together. It's, I mean, it's really an achievement artistically. Well, the fact that he's able to jump back and forth between that, between the, uh, the fantastical uh, Kirby-esque uh, spaceman... With, uh, you know, these uh, eerie comics, and then you've got this whole sequence that's this beautifully rendered sepia-tone backstory. Oh, yeah, to the uh, buzzard. Yeah, that is just masterfully done. And, you know, I thought it went on for more pages than it does, but it's only like four pages. Four pages, like one, yeah. Two, three, four. But there's so much content in those four Five, pages. Yeah. I it's mean, the very... style totally changes. It's it, yeah. You know, there's no panels. Yeah. It's all kind of done in that... Um, Really well, yeah. There are some panels, but there are entire pages where there are no panels, mm-hmm, where like just the bleeds. you know, it just kind of gives you that stream of consciousness. You know, this mm-hmm. guy's telling you a story. Mm-hmm. This is all kind of bleeding together, kind of stuff. And that, and he looks very much like maybe the Crypt Keeper kind of guy, mm-hmm. or no, what's the other guy, the Eerie Comics guy, the Grave Digger? Yeah, the Grave Digger. And then there's of course an homage to uh, I ain't saying he's a Grave Digger. The homage to no bro, bro. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, to, to Norman Rockwell, yeah, yeah, that's nice. He just flips it. His style is, you know, if if if, and I again, I don't know anything about this series and if it ever shipped on time and if there were lateness issues. But if there were, hey, all forgiven because this is totally some high quality it. stuff. There's one panel sequence in um, the part with with Entity, the stage magician, 
mm-hmm. where I look at it, I'm like, it reminds me of Steve Rude. It's got that really clean line and such sharp edges and such great expression. And then he cuts right back to Frankie, who looks like Little Orphan Annie's ugly yeah. half-brother. Yeah. I mean, it, but it's it's coherent, and it doesn't feel like he's all over the place. It just feels like he's drawing so many elements into it that you could literally get away with almost anything in this story, so long as you don't undermine the basic fact, which is the goon will punch it. Yep. What is it? Doesn't matter. The goon will punch it. Yep. Santa Claus, the goon will punch it. I think Eric Powell made a deal with the devil so that he could take in the skills and abilities of all these great artists that we've been mentioning. Could and just whip be. them out at any time. Mm-hmm. Could be. All right, everybody. Any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, have a real good look. If you get the goon nothing but mystery, there's there's actually even a, a few, a handful of hidden things. Yeah, even in the in opening it. credits. Yeah. You know, Nothing But Misery by Eric Powell. Colors by Eric and Robin Powell. Editor Scott Alley and Matt Dreyer. Designer Amy Arendt. Art director Mark Cox. Publisher Mark Mike Richardson. Zombies provided by Jethro and Earl Zombie Wrangler in mm-hmm. Incorporated and the Adopt a Zombie Foundation. <laughs> no small children were snuffed during the making of this comic. There's we tried fitting them in the catapult, but they were too large. We had to stick with the possums. Okay, everybody, there is a lot more great stuff up on the Majorspoilers.com website. We encourage you to check that out. Be part of the Major Spoilers experience. Everything from the forums to the podcast to the dungeon crawl to the website to Matthew's rants and rambles. What else do we got? We got merchandise, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Keep up. We have people other than the three of us who are doing some stellar work. Mm -hmm. Yep. People who can write, people who can draw, people who can draw and or write. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Major Spoilers Adventures now into its uh, coming up on its fourth uh, episode this week. You're gonna I haven't I out. haven't heard from Dante tonight, but the dishes look phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he does, but I can see myself in this teacup, and it is absolutely excellent work. On our next issue of the Major Spoilers podcast, I will be talking with the spectacular Spider-Man himself. Whoa, Josh Keaton. We sat down for a really quick thirty-minute interview today, and we're going to present that on Saturday. So look for that in the feed. Also look for the Dungeons and Dragons uh, Major Spoilers crawl, whatever we're calling it. Something like that. Campaign. Major, Major, Major Spoilers, Spoilers campaign. campaign. Okay. That's coming up this weekend. MSP well. D&D 3K. And next week on the show, we will be, we promised uh, before that we were going to pick up and continue on the series of Why the Last Man. So we're going to get to volume two of the uh, deluxe edition, book two of the Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughn and a whole bunch of other people doing the art here and there. Uh, that will be next week on the Major Spoilers podcast because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you next time. Knife to the eye! If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler 
way to think about a better way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Start raving rich like a man of iron. Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read up on all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the middle east with a king santo and soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, wow, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009. You know what we should totally do? you do. What's that? We should now actually explain why I like the black hole better than Star Wars. Since we talked for 22 minutes about it last week and never actually got to that point. Well, okay, so last week we were talking about the black hole is better than Star Wars. And you've seen both of these movies, right, Rodrigo? I have. You've seen the Star Wars movie, the one that came out in 1977? I did. It's before your time. Yes. Did you see it when it was recolored to where all of the lasers were now uh, walkie-talkies? (laughs) <laughs> who shot first no so so have you seen the, the original, the question, original Rodrigo, or who have shot you? first han shoots first there you go uh, you are yes, a major I, did, right? I did see it in its original i remember one of actually one of my oldest memories i think is watching um empire strikes back with my dad okay while you were a zygote while i was a tiny 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 baby, because actually Mexicans are marsupial. So I was out of the womb for most of my development. <laughs> <laughs> little, little known fact. It's it's why I have these gigantic prehensile hands, right? Because I have to crawl in, in my way out. They call them Joey's. Actually, yep. would be a Jose. In yeah, it's Jose. Josito, if you would. So, uh, but and you've also seen the black hole. I have, although that one I have, I've. I'm pretty sure I've only seen it once. I've only seen it once as well. Okay, Matthew. Yes. Blow our minds. Why is the black hole better than Star Wars? And let's keep it on what? track this time. <laughs> let's not divert for a 20-minute discussion on what happened Seriously. after they went through the hole. Have we ever stayed on track? Yeah. No. Well, we're like 110 not, episodes not since, now, not and since I you think joined the show. Man, we have more. We have more unfinished plot threads than the Chris Claremont novel. But neither here nor there. Why I think that, again, I don't say it's better. Why I like it more. Okay. Star Wars has a very dirty, gritty kind of feel to it. The original Star Wars is kind of like an old movie serial in a way. Right. It deals with a lot of archetypes. You have, you know, the pirate and the farm boy and the princess. And you have, you know, all of these characters. Even R2-D2 and C-3PO could technically go back. You know, you look at... um, Oh, what was his name? Falstaff and his his pal. Yes. You know, you go back. This is a very classical tale told with iconic archetypical characters. Right. The reason that Star Wars blew big was because it's it's identifiable. It's, you know, 
it's well, it follows that it it follows that uh, the hero of a thousand faces, yeah, that Joseph Cam- Campbell, kind of you know the the hero's quest, the hero's quest mythology archetype, yeah. Right. And you take that and you put it together. So it is a very approachable movie. It comes from a very relatable place. Mm -hmm. The black hole is not really about that. The black hole is, God only knows what it's really about. (laughs) But I like it better because it doesn't necessarily aspire to be anything more than what it is, which is Walt Disney trying to make some money. And there's moments in it where there's a conversation, a long conversation on panel between these robots who don't have mouths, and they get close-ups. And I like the fact that they cut back and forth, and they've put so much character building into the minor character of this robot, old Bob, who was apparently, you know, he was a member of the old uh, 28 Brigade or something. Well, yeah, because apparently as old, as robots get older, they start talking like uh, miners from uh, 49. Like Slim Pickens. Well, <laughs> and that's the thing. Back in the day, it was all right for a robot to talk like this, but today they have to talk like Roddy McDowell. Yes. You know, and it has And the fact such... that they're the exact same robot, only one's beat up and banged up from years of being out in space. I really love the technology. There's a sequence where uh, Vincent Spooky. is fighting Maximilian, the giant robot. Right. And Vincent is beaten. But at one point, he's electrocuted, and you actually see his body elongate a little bit because, you know, parts of him stretch out. He's like a Swiss Army robot. Right. And when he loses, he's thrown across the deck, and his head and his arms and his legs all fold up into his body, and he kind of crashes like a, you know, kind of like a crab. Mm-hmm. And then he pops back up, and he, you know, he brings up his his eye stalks and everything and he he floats around again you know and there's a sequence where you first see maximilian the giant in you know terrible robot and he's got these little wing things and spoilers flying off of him everywhere and he flies down out of the sky it's just the the iconography and the the way that the technology is shown is just so interesting to me and most importantly you know we touched on all the people who are in it doing their very serious faces right oh my and gosh there's a giant tr- meteor crashing through the yes. i'm ernest Berg borgnine yes anthony perkins trying to bring this incredible gravitas to the story and you know it's it's very it's it's a less relatable story but it, to me that makes it more challenging and that makes it a little more fun in that you can you walk into the black hole and god only knows what it's about but it's got these moments that are just rife with this potential and this there's a whole universe that uh, if you will an expanded universe right that you haven't read about yet. right now again maybe part of this well no it's really not because i felt this way in 78 when this when i had this discussion but to me <laughs> if you look at that <laughs> entire an eight-year-old matthew peterson sitting around having <laughs> this sta- doing this statement it, it, it really reminds me of that uh ukla the mock song <laughs> Like everything good turns to crap. Or yeah, yeah. The entire song is a conversation with a six-year-old kid. Yep. All right, but <laughs> I just love the fact that the movie comes from this very serious Shakespearean place, and what they're talking about is a guy who has a spaceship on the edge of a black hole. See, and it's just—it's filled with all these look flying robots. <laughs> you ever see R two D two fly? Nope. Not until 1997. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you could see the cables. Maybe you could see the wires. 
But it was interesting what they were doing. And, you know, maybe there's not a lot of science there, but uh, airless space, we can deal, you, you know? know? One one would think, and yeah, there are some very kind of trippy special effects in the black mm -hmm. hole. There are. But, you know, before it was industrial light and magic, they did yes. a whole crap load of stuff that looked believable. Mm-hmm. And they they did it first with really no budget, and yet Disney, well, mm -hmm. of course, we're talking about the late 70s, early 80s when Disney almost collapsed. They've got what you would think would be an almost infinite budget for special effects, and they deliver some of the crappiest crap crap I've ever seen oh, in my please. life. please! There was nothing crappy about the special effects in that film. Well, let me, and this, this goes back to a theory I have that, like, strife and pressure generates quality. The yes. reason why Star Wars was so great and why it hit it so big is because they had crap to work with. They had absolutely nothing to do to to yeah to to work they with. They had they had to come up with things because right that's absolutely. you know they're working around the exactly the limitations it, of the technology. It breeds, it breeds innovation. Well, you then get maybe all that's this, maybe the, that follows modern, up with what I'm saying is the modern Star Wars like the the prequels oh, yeah, yeah, the, th the one and are three. I think in general by most people considered not as good as the originals, right. even if you like them. Right. You know, there's plenty of people that I like them, honestly. Yeah. Um, I like them, too. They're fine. They're fine. Heretic. But they're not as good <laughs> as the originals. And it's because George Lucas had 3,000 bazillion dollars right. to dump into them. So maybe that he was kind of went crazy with it. It's entirely possible. They had that money to dump into it, and they didn't have the pressure to d deliver anything good. And then that, of course, spiraled into the Black Cauldron, and everything else that was wrong with Disney in the 80s and why they almost went bankrupt. It's possible, and but, I think it's certainly part of it. But the Black Hole is not, to me, emblematic of what's wrong with Disney because, you know, they may have had $11 billion, but none of it really shows up on screen. And, well, but I mean, so Disney, well, this is this is, this I, is Disney I, of, the, of the time period, right? Right. Big name, well-known stars, Ernest Borgnine, Rodney Dangerfield, uh, Peter Piper. Rodney all these other Dangerfield? <laughs> Roddy McDowell. <laughs> Roddy McDowell. All these people that oh, are well known. Oh man, a robot gets no respect. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Uh, Jackie Joyner, Kersey, um, <laughs> and special Gil Scott Heron, uh, Adam West. No, uh, but you know they they, get, they throw and, uh, all of these well known stars into a picture. Mm -hmm. They throw in some, and the, you know the special effects are good, but they're they suffer from uh, Star Trek the motion picture problems and mm, everything right. is so slow motion grandiose let's spend 20 minutes spinning around the ship kind of stuff effects mm. right mm -hmm. and the plot is just kind of hacked together from about 10 different storylines and then they throw that up on the screen and they're like this is the new disney movie enjoy it because it's got the disney name on there and that means quality and all of a sudden people see these movies and they're like wait a minute that's that's not quality. There's this guy Lucas over here mm -hmm. blowing up big old planet-sized spaceships, yeah. and that's like that's cool. Not a moon. That's yeah. See, you never cease in your ability to find <laughs> ways to say it's better because it's more popular. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's that's different. That's exactly what you're saying. No, no. What I'm saying is Disney got into this grind, this rut I, of I, cranking out subpar movies during the late '70s and early '80s. Herbie, Devlin, Max Devlin, you shut Mountain. your lying mouth about Herbie. <laughs> I don't think I will that... get up out of this chair. Not, not the I, I original think, Herbie, not the largely... one that came out in the '60s. The one that came out, the the ones that came out in the '70s and '80s. You know, Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo had Don Knotts. <laughs> it did. 
Well, that's that's kind of what he's saying. But I think the the, the black <laughs> hole was a risk. I think that it the was black a hole risk. was after that. After Disney was like, uh oh, right. I don't think this stuff is working, you guys. Right. It was it was huge. I mean, it was Disney. It's it's that moment where like the big guys like. Uh, maybe I should start doing what these little tiny guys are doing. It strives right. for so much, and it tries so hard, but doesn't. It, it may not get there. And in the but end, you have to, you have to appreciate what you know. You have to appreciate effort to me. And I always feel like maybe I'm the guy who loves the underdog, and I love the guy who flames out. You know what my favorite movie of all time is? The one that guy builds the giant airplane with like 97 wings powered by a bicycle, and it just crashes and <laughs> into about 50,000 pieces. I love that. Because that guy obviously puts so much love into this thing that 45 seconds and it's gone. Yeah. Maybe that's the way I look at it. But one of the reasons that, to me, I find the black hole to be a more enjoyable experience is because they're trying so hard to get someplace and there's so much potential that may be unrealized but right. there's so much potential there that you just want to go but 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 give me issue 5 i bet issue 5 would really you know yeah. make it really awesome yeah plus me, you got to love the robots let me say this as a kid man that christmas going up to the black hole that was a big time for me as a kid because it's like 78, 8 years old. You're at one of them big formative moments of, of your life. And we went up to Kansas City at the plaza, and they had this big old black hole spread as you're waiting to get into uh, see Santa. Mm-hmm. And it was like you walk through, and they had props from the movie and you little things in there. And it was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And um, went and saw the movie. Uh, again, I was at a relative's that, that, uh, that Christmas. Went and saw the movie, and it was okay. You know, I, I liked it. I, I, I remember the big splashy sequences. And then when we got home, you know, Christmas Eve or whatever it was, time to open the presents, my parents had purchased the audio adaptation mm-hmm. of that movie on a 33 RPM. Wasn't that awesome? Complete with picture book. Did you have that one? I had that. I, I had a lot of the merchandise from that movie. Yeah, I mean... And the thing was, I would sit and listen to that again and again and again and again for about the next, I don't know, two or three years. For about the next 20 years. <laughs> I, don't, I, I bet I still have it at home somewhere, at my mm-hmm. parents' house. All right. I'm going to reveal my utter geekitude. Are now, you wait, ready? Are you prepared? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, go ahead. No, no, no. Your story is not important. No, go ahead. Finish what you I were saying. I was going to say, but that memory of uh, seeing it in the movie theater and then trying to recall those moments from the movie that I was listening to on the record that made the black hole movie special to me at that time. And while Mm -hmm. I thought it was really great at that time, because quite frankly, the only record of star Wars that I could get was John Williams movie theme. So yeah, star Wars did not have a a huge impact in that 78. Well, I mean, it did with the action figures and everything. But it, I would I would spend more time listening to that black hole record adaptation than I would listening to anything Star Wars. So in a sense, I would agree with you for that time period as a kid. I would agree that the black hole is something that's really really good. Today, mm, maybe not so much. Now, what were you going to say, Matthew? I would say simply this: there nice is. <laughs> I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> Next time, keep that chain letter going. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a kind of purity to the things you love when you're a kid, and you don't 
have the wherewithal to really you know acknowledge well yeah maybe there's this and there's that and well maybe Ernest Borgnine is chewing the scenery and oh I'm sure there's a plot hole here and there uh, like you know airless space but there's a purity to the things that you look at and you love when you're eight and what you love when you are eight no matter how old you get you're always going to love it you may be embarrassed by it you may not admit it but you're always going to love the things that you love when you were eight. Rodrigo will always love Gem and the Holograms. <laughs> Stephen will She's always truly love outrageous. That leave her alone. Spend so much time holding up with one hand. What's, what? What? I missed a. I missed an insult yeah. there. What? Uh, you'll have to listen to the playback. Ha <laughs> ha! On maybe. No, I'm just going to delete that. You bastard! <laughs> How oh, dare you? He's the what I said was, you will always love that Farrah Fawcett poster that you spend oh, so yes. much time holding up with one hand. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. We, you can see her nipples. <laughs> I think we need to avoid. At least I feel that I need to <laughs> avoid the trap of overanalyzing why something was good to me when I was eight right. and simply enjoy it. And you know, if I go back and I watch it now, maybe it won't be as awesome as I remember. But I'll always have that awesomeness. I still get goosebumps when I hear the closing theme because it's this huge oh, yeah. instrumental thing. Do, 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 do. And there is, to me, an enjoyability about that film simply because Maybe it didn't pull it off as well as Star Wars. Maybe it didn't have your Harrison Ford. And maybe it didn't have, you know, Carrie Fisher coke to the gills wearing buns on her head. But what it had, it had this this kind of a, it, even, you know, being a giant Disney thing, it had a kind of purity. It was like, we're not sure where we're going, but we sure are right. going to do a space movie. And let's throw all this right. in the room and right. see what happens. And then, I, have you, I have, let's put it this way. Okay. I, I'll put it to you this way. Okay. My daughter has... A toy castle. Right. And in this castle are two G.I. Joe figures, a Ninja Turtle, a figure of Ben Grimm, and a couple of X-Men action figures. They're all different heights and different sizes. I think she has like a, a Barbie and a My Little Pony. And they all live together in this big castle. And she does not go in and pick apart whether they're different scale or whether one of them belongs in a different universe or whether or not the thing is really a monster she takes them all and she plays with them in the little castle. None of them are to scale with the castle. She has fun playing with these random toys in this castle that I found in a trash somewhere. Right. Because <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> overthink it. Over she there. just goes, la di da di do I'm going to play with these toys. la di da di do Ah, oh, there's a monster. Ah! Oh. <laughs> I'm going to put the turtles in jail. I don't know why the turtles <laughs> always end up in jail, but they do. Well, Apparently, in, in my daughter's mind, turtles are criminals. <laughs> Well, I mean, Raphael is cool but rude, and That's Michelangelo true. is a party dude. Well, That's that true. Melandria they did. probably nailed no, one I... of them for public fighting and the other for public have, indecency. Matthew, have you watched uh, The Black Hole in any recent amount of time? Oh, probably not in the last ten years. And the okay, last so time I did watch it, uh -huh. I was like, man, I remember this being so much more wonderful and being very depressed. I mm -hmm. No, I can agree with you on that point specifically because when I was, again, another and I forget when it aired on Channel 41 as one of their, you know after school movies the 3.30 movie that we all rushed home to see they ran that uh, Ron Ely uh, Doc Docs, Savage yep. movie yep. and I remember watching it and I was just enthralled as a kid going oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever! 
And then yeah. a few years later, discovering the books and going, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And then about seven years ago, five years ago, however long my wife and I have been married, I finally had the chance to get that on videotape. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and watched it, and I was like, this is the crappiest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. It happens. And I, I just remember going, my God, this was so much better as a kid. I think it's yeah. a, it's uh, that in, in and of itself is kind of a coming of age. I remember, like, I, I mean, my drawing style, everything. I, I A lot of the stuff that I like and that I do is there because I loved the Thundercats when I was a little kid. Thunder, 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 thunder. And if you look Cats. at the open and if you look if you hear the intro song, it's it's still awesome. Yeah. It's still freaking awesome. You watch the cartoon it's like this is cheesy. It's cheesy ass father knows best crap. Well, that's why I was asking earlier about the GI Joe and really if the yeah. TV show I never you liked know, people I think someone on the on the website commented about Oh, I can't stand these people who are saying they're raping my childhood because that G.I. Joe cartoon was really crap back then, and you need to really go watch this movie and compare it for what it is now. Mm-hmm. Right. I never, well, and, I you know, your childhood the... was asking for it. it might, yes, it was. Oh, God. <laughs> what were you going to say, Rodrigo? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Allow me to publicly apologize for major spoilers at this point. <laughs> Even for the marsupial comment? Uh, No. <laughs> So only you were allowed to be offensive and or racist? I was making a joke about my own racial cohort, okay? You guys, do I need to go into what you guys just did? Because if I spell it out, we might get sued. Oh, no. We're going to get sued. What was the comment you were going to make? I never did like the, uh, the original... Uh, or I never did like the G.I. Joe cartoon. It wasn't, it actually wasn't wacky enough for me. It's another, it's kind of the same reason why I never liked Scooby-Doo because they never turned out to be actual monsters. Ah, okay. But that was the whole mystery. No, yeah, and and that was cool up until they didn't turn out to be actual (laughs) monsters. I think as a kid, I didn't get that that was important to the mystery. I was like, oh, another crazy farmer again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I don't know if we ever still answered if, Black Hole is better than <laughs> yes, Star we Wars. Did. But I'll we're tell gonna... you why, because I said so. <laughs> because we're going to end it there this week, and thank you once again for sticking around past those uh, those end credits, because the bonus material is sometimes often better than <laughs> the, actual the actual show. show. <laughs> the stuff that we prepare for comes across <laughs> a little forced, whereas everything else we just kind of go... <laughs> You know what's really awesome, though? The next person to donate 20 bucks to the Major Spoilers podcast gets to pick a topic, and we'll talk about it in an after-show special. Mm. You know what else? Providing uh, that put, it's not about naked ladies. Putting it out Unless there. Unless it's bare naked ladies. Any oh, faithful we'll spoilerite who may have access to the Vincent model kit from 1978 or 1981. Hey, you know what? If you can find that and get it to me, I I personally will do a review in the voice of Jimmy Stewart. I don't care. I've been trying to find one of those for 20-odd years. Have you seen the, the little, uh, it's not really a maquette, but it's like a little plastic model thing that uh, came out, what, last Christmas? Did you see that? Uh-uh. We, I think we I had think some I saw about it on the major on the website, yeah. but I don't remember actually seeing it come out. Man, you're gonna have to look for that. I'm gonna have to look for that. That may be a Matthew. When's a Matthew birthday? The Matthew out? show a uh, week before Christmas. Oh, well, see, and remember, that really kids, sucks to I will be you. 39 on December 17th this year. 
Um, feel free to buy me anything people. really awesome. You know what else would be good? I could use a new pair of shoes. Merrill's. I, I, anyway. I think I think Molly could use a new castle. <laughs> Molly, hey, you don't make fun of Molly's castle. We used to keep it on the porch. That's where you were keeping your goon comic book this week? No, that's where I keep my couch. Oh, okay. All right, everybody, thanks for hey, listening. you got to uh, tell me when you're shipping me stuff, you schmuck. I did. I said, look for it. You should be getting it very soon. And I did look for it, it and it never showed up because somebody put it on the back porch. Frickin' UPS. Don't get me started on those 